Welcome to the Mind Your Body podcast. My name is Jenny Helms, and I'm an emotional eating coach and marriage and family therapist. I help people address the roots of their disordered eating and body image issues. I'm Lisa Perkins, owner of Primal Transformations. I'm a certified personal trainer and precision nutrition coach. I use a paleo framework to help clients transform their health, body, and life. The Mind Your Body podcast is all about empowering you to live your best life. We aim to grow a community of empowered women who are ready to transform their health and lives using a real approach that is all about getting back in touch with ourselves and not fueled by self-loathing. This journey requires a healthy dose of humor, perspective, and self-compassion. Our goal for this podcast is to help you achieve sustainable results that you get to keep. Please remember, the following podcast is not intended to be a substitute or implied to be medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Please consult with your healthcare provider when making changes to your diet and lifestyle. Welcome to the show. This is the Mind Your Body podcast, episode number 17, tracking your calories and macros. Is it right for you right now? Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> I feel like we're always like, dun, that. dun, dun. <laughs> I mean, that does. That sounds so ominous. Yeah. yeah. And it could be. It could be. Yeah. It, um, it's not right for you now. Yeah, so before we even like go into macros and tracking and calories, we just wanted to start this episode off with a huge disclaimer that this episode is not going to be right for our our entire audience. And in fact, if you have any sort of history or current pattern of disordered eating or an eating disorder, please shut off your podcast and go to a different episode (laughs) because this episode was not intended for you. Um, we, we're going to walk you through, you know, how you'd know if this is a good fit for you or a good episode for you. But, you know, right off the bat, I do just want to say any disordered eating or an eating disorder, turn this off. <laughs> this, Absolutely. this wasn't intended yep. for you. Um, and so, yeah, this, this episode is made for people who have laid a solid foundation of healthy habits and have a healthy relationship with food. And we, we're going to have some questions that you can ask yourself so that you can determine if that's you. Um, and yeah, so if that's something you feel like is not you and you just know that from the get go, then we have some other awesome stuff for you to listen to. Absolutely. Yeah. This is, this is kind of a next level strategy once you've, you know, just start in a different place with food and body and shame and all of those things, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. So we want to go into how you know if this is the right episode for you, because Mm -hmm. we wanted to make this episode for the people, for the population of people that this would be for. Mm -hmm. Um, And we know it's not a huge population, but that's totally okay. Or or maybe it's not for you right now. So that's why we added the right now into there because it has to be the right time for you as well. Yeah. So yeah, just, you know, an example, this is not where I start with coaching clients. Mm -hmm. We really lay a solid foundation of eating real food, really healing the shame and judgment around our body, around our food choices, really getting out of the diet mentality, the on the wagon, off the wagon, moving. What we don't want is to feed any kind of sense that, okay, this is how I can now have control Mm -hmm. over my life and my body, right? This is a way to get curious and kind of more scientific, you know, and shift some body composition, but it is not where I start. This is probably around at least month two, if not three or beyond Mm -hmm. with my coaching clients. And that's, you know, coaching clients that come to me with a fat loss goal. Mm -hmm. It's just not where we start. So Mm-hmm. So yeah, we just want to be really clear about that. Yep. And so the first thing you might want to ask yourself is what is your history with food tracking? Um, were you one of those people that became obsessive about it? Were you rebellious? Like, hey, like if I set rules for myself, I'm totally going to break them. Or did you isolate yourself from others while you were doing it? You know, how because did that... Because needed to be perfect. Right. Because it needed to be perfect or you know, you, yeah, that perfectionism too. I think that's a really good point. You know, what was your history with food tracking? Yeah. And if that's you, maybe this isn't the right fit. 
At least um, not right now. Not yep. right now. Yep. Not until maybe you've healed some of that stuff and really worked on some of the underlying factors that maybe contributed to that rebellion or obsession. Yep. Um, I often think about people like, you know, a lot of the people I've seen that have gone on and off the wagon, it's like they approach the, their like off with the same or they're on the wagon with the same kind of approach they get off of it, that mm-hmm. same kind of anxiety. Mm-hmm. And so to ask yourself, do I have this like anxious feeling kind of running the show do I want this stuff to be different like two days ago versus coming at it with some calm and some patience and if that's the case you're likely gonna cycle again absolutely yeah um so the second question you know kind of related to the perfectionism piece is how do you feel if you eat something outside of your meal plan do you spiral into shame? Um, do you punish yourself for it? Are you, you know, always comp- like, do you overcompensate the next day? Um, or do you say screw it and just, or do you, you know, say screw it? it. Yep. Right. And yep. go on the shame cycle of like, Hey, I'm just going to eat all the foods now mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. I messed up this once. Therefore the whole day is, or week even is ruined. Right. 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 So again, kind of going back to the foundations that you and I always talk about, we talk about, okay, maybe you made a choice that you don't feel great about. Okay, you can get curious about that. But most importantly, you move on mm-hmm. and make your next decision, you know, a better decision. Right. But we're not going to make that have a meaning about us as a person. Right. Right. So that's what we're talking about. You know, if you're still in a place where you feel like you're a bad person because you ate a cookie that wasn't in your plan then you need to go back and work on your foundations. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, The third question to ask yourself is, does eating a whole foods diet feel normal? Have you set that foundation in your life where eating whole foods is kind of part of what you do? Mm -hmm. Or is this completely brand new? Because again, like you were saying earlier, this is not a beginner level step. Mm-hmm. And not everybody even necessarily will even take this step. So like, or, need to. or needs to. Right. So, um, yeah. Do you already have that foundation of health? Because if not, like you're basically saying, Hey, I've never run before in my life and I'm want to go do a marathon. Mm-hmm. Right. right. <laughs> it's like, that and, doesn't and, make any and sense. And we're going to delve into, I mean, of course people do track their food that don't eat a whole foods or a paleo diet. You know, they'll, you know, there's, if it fits your macros, which is basically, you know, you can fit in Twinkies and Pop-Tarts. Right. (laughs) We'll talk later on in this episode about why eating a whole foods, nutrient dense diet is so supportive, you know, of your mental and physical health, especially in a fat loss phase, even more so. So. Yes, absolutely. The fourth question to ask yourself is, is your weight loss goal coming from a place of fear, shame, or from a place of curiosity? Um, we kind of touched on that earlier, but Mm -hmm. yeah, I think being willing to take this journey as something that's not going to either, like, I think this perception of like, if I lose weight, it's going to make my life so much better. Or if I gain weight, it's going to destroy my life. Like Mm -hmm. if you have that mentality, this is not the right fit for you because inevitably if you're on this tracking and experimental phase, you may gain weight, you may stay the same weight and you may lose weight. Mm-hmm. And having a little bit of a detachment from that right. in the sense where you're curious and you're more scientific about it is mm-hmm. the, I feel like the only lens where this could be even healthy because if you're, again, if you're basing how you feel or how good your life is going to be on the outcome, mm-hmm. then you're too tied to it yeah. and this is going to be unhealthy for you. Yes. We have been sold a bill of goods by being told that, okay, if I restrict 3,500 calories from my weekly you know, plan that I will lose one pound. Fat loss is a fickle creature. There are so many variables that Mm -hmm. go into it. Yes, calories, movement, sleep, stress, hormones, so many things, you know, determine. And all the time we see clients that, you know, maybe they won't lose weight for a little while and then whoosh, you know, they'll lose kind of, you know, more weight than you would think, you know, it you'll just kind of have these cycles and then you'll Mm -hmm. plateau for a little while, even though you're eating the same way. So this is continuing to have patience. 
yes. with this process and to be curious. But this is about collecting data and it is really interesting if you can come at it from a healthy mindset. Yes. And I, I love that you put the patience piece in there. Um, and we're going to talk about later how that might look if like, for instance, in reverse dieting, if you are having to put on some weight first to kind of mm-hmm. take it off in a sense, um, if you've done metabolic damage, but just, you know, just understanding that your body is going to be doing different things. And if mm-hmm. you're too attached to it, yeah. then this is going to be a really, um, I mean, psychologically destructive process. Yes. There are bodies do not act like a calculator. Mm-hmm. If you subtract, you know, again, 3,500 calories, that does not mean you will lose one pound of fat. You may lose more, you may lose none, Mm -hmm. depending on your metabolism, your dieting history, right? And so we're going to talk about, you know, how to figure out where to start. We're going to go right into the nuts and bolts, but we need you to do your best to pre-qualify yourself for whether this episode is really even for you right now. You can always come back later, Mm-hmm. And listen to this when you're in a place to receive this and view it from a place of, oh, this is an experiment. Yeah. Right? And I'm going to play with this and see what my body responds to. And I'm going to be willing to adjust as I go. And I'm not going to have any dogmatic, you know, feelings about, you know, shifting things around or whether I lose weight or don't. Right. So that's huge. Yeah, and I think just really questioning your why of why you're doing this and making sure it's coming from a healthy, Mm -hmm. non-fear-based place. Um, Because I think that there are some compelling reasons that people would do this. Like, you know, uh, again, I know that people have done the ketogenic diet because of epilepsy and other medical reasons. Also, you know, I know that I'll probably share some examples of my own tracking of – for me, I was trying to get better performance in the gym and just have better energy because my mm-hmm. mojo was completely mm-hmm. off. And so I, I ended up having to add carbs into my meal plan that I wasn't intuitively adding right. um, to get my mojo back. And so like there are different examples, you know, weight loss, I think a lot of people can resonate with, but I just wanted to add in some other examples um, that people might be able to relate to. And I think that can come from a healthy place. Mm -hmm. Um, And again, weight loss can come from a healthy place for sure as well. But I think it gets trickier because that's where I've also seen it come from an unhealthy place. Absolutely. So yeah, just adding a little bit to that. Um, Yeah. yeah, And the, oh, go ahead. So, so yeah, the, the last question is, are you really actively cultivating joy in other areas of your life. You know, we talk so much on this podcast about the importance of filling your mojo bucket, about social connections, finding joy, being creative, living your life. If you are in a place right now where you are waiting to go out and live, or you will be happy when this Mm. last five pounds or 10 or 20 pounds comes off, Mm -hmm. you're not in a good place to start. Yes. The secret sauce is you need to start living now. And if you are going to track, tracking needs to take up a very small percentage of your time and your emotional bandwidth. Yep. Right? Absolutely. This is a data collection. It shouldn't take that much time. Yeah, there are some steps and we'll talk about those. But if you think, if you can predict that if you get into tracking that you might just spend hours researching you know, and inputting and tinkering so that the numbers come out exactly. Yeah. Come back, come back later, go out, you know, really spend some time connecting with people and things that you enjoy. Yes, absolutely. Cause we definitely don't want this to become something that you're doing because you're avoiding other emotions, things, people, other situations in your life, right? And that's, you know, I think something that I have shared on other episodes is that there have been periods in my life where I have done tracking, where I know that was an effort to exert control in some area of my life because I felt out of control in some of the key other areas that I didn't want to face. Yeah. And so, okay, I'll track my calories and macros instead. And, you know, that made me feel like I was doing something, mm-hmm. you know. So, so we, wanted, we want to avoid that. And again, we talk about how important filling your mojo bucket is because that's when you start to shift out of using food to kind of mask emotional pain or, you know, serve needs for which, 
you know, it probably wasn't intended. So, mm-hmm. so that's a big piece. Yeah, absolutely. So, okay. So if you've gone through these questions and you feel like you've done the pre-work, that you're in a good place to do this, then keep listening. That's awesome. We also want to direct you to uh, episode number four of the Mind Your Body podcast, What Are Macros and Do Calories Matter? I know there are people in the audience that are saying, what in the world are macros, right? Mm -hmm. So go back, pause this, and go back and listen to that episode. I will just say, just as a quick refresher, that macronutrients are the nutrients that have calories. Mm -hmm. So we're talking about protein, carbohydrates, and fats. And all foods fall into one of those categories. When we talk about micronutrients, we're talking not about the elements that have calories, but the properties of food that have vitamins and minerals, basically. Mm -hmm. So, So go back and listen to that episode if you need a refresher or if you have not listened to that. So do you want me to kind of take this part, Jenny? Yeah. So we, I mean, we talked about this before the episode started. I definitely, for me, I work more with the psychological piece of this on a daily basis. And I know that Lisa is the master of the nuts and bolts of how to do this. Um, so she is definitely going to take the lead on the, like explaining exactly how you do this. And then I'll probably add in, you know, my bits and pieces from my own experience and the things I've seen in clients. Um, and the psychological pieces and different yeah. things here and there. But yeah, she's definitely going to take the lead because this is an area that I get to kind of sit back and learn from her. So I would just like to say that from here on out, I'd like to be known as the master of the nuts and bolts. <laughs> that sounds better than any title that has been conferred on me heretofore. So I like that a lot. You I'm should put get, that on your Facebook yeah, profile under a, your name. Uh, <laughs> It says that. Love I like it. that a lot. Okay. <laughs> so we are going to dive into where to start if you decide that you want to track. So really the nuts and bolts of this um, in a stepwise fashion, this will all be in the show notes. So don't feel like you have to write all of this stuff down. Mm, that's a good point. Well, yep. we're talking. So you can just, you know, click on this and print it out. So the first thing that you want to do is choose an app. I really like, and I think Jenny does too, uh, MyFitnessPal. Mm-hmm. It is a huge data, has a huge database of foods. It also has a social component where you can, you know, chat with friends and compare notes and share recipes. And, you know, if you have, you know, step goals or exercise goals, you can, you know, have some accountability, but also some fun. And I think mm-hmm. that can be very valuable for some people. So MyFitnessPal is a great one. The other benefit to it is that you can log food on your computer and say on your phone on the go and they talk to each other. Mm -hmm. So they will update simultaneously, which is very helpful. It is. So that's the one I'm most familiar with. So that's the one that I'm going to talk about today. I know there are some others out there, but That's the one I'm going to refer to today. So the first thing you want to do is, first of all, you have to set up your account, obviously, if you haven't already. And I would not start with setting up any goals whatsoever in there. Just leave that alone. You may have to say something, but ignore it. Mm -hmm. So what you're trying to do in, you know, a three or more day period is establish a baseline. So you want to track your food intake as precisely as possible for several days without changing anything. Now, if you tend to be somebody who eats differently on a weekend, then you want to include one of those days as Mm -hmm. well. So what you're doing is you're trying to get an average calorie intake. How much are you currently eating? Mm -hmm. Yes, there are tons of websites out there that will, you know, have calculators for how many calories you should be eating depending on your activity levels. I have yet to see any one of those be accurate. Yeah. Well, and they're, I mean, accurate to where you are, your specific history and all those factors that you talked about earlier that play into our weight and where we carry things and all of that. Like it's not going to take all of that into account. Yes. And so many of the clientele that I work with have a history of under eating as well. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that's something, and we'll talk about that later in this episode of, 
you know, how to fix that if you've really kind of dug a hole for yourself that way. But the first thing is you need to figure out what am I currently doing? What does my intake currently look like? So you need to be as honest with yourself as possible in terms of amounts, really track everything for a few days to get that good calorie baseline. From there, it's time to set up your calorie goals in MyFitnessPal. So I don't recommend anyone reducing calories, you know, again, from that baseline by more than 20%. You know, and you could even just do 10%. Mm-hmm. 10% is tricky because that does not leave you wiggle room. You know, mm-hmm. we're not very good at, you know, assessing portions sometimes. And that can be too little that you won't see really Any sort anything. Of. Mm-hmm. So I think, I you know, 20% is a decent place to start again, as long as you're not so low in calories already. Right. Then we need to talk about reverse dieting. Yep. So... So you've got your calories, say you've got, you know, 1500 calories, for example. So now it's time to set up your macronutrient goals. This is where it is so important to first of all, focus on protein. Now for fat loss, there are just so many benefits to getting a higher protein intake. Mm -hmm. So what I am typically recommending is 0.8 to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So I know that sounds very scientific, but you know, that's, that's what I'm recommending up until about 130 grams. I don't ever try to push my female clients Mm -hmm. to eat more than that. Not that it wouldn't be beneficial, Mm -hmm. but it's just, it's difficult. So that's usually the top amount that, that we come down on that. Usually you say, you know, again, if you're about 1500 calories, that's going to come out to be about 35% of your calories. The next two things that we're establishing are fats and carbs. I usually start with fats because again, so protein has four calories per gram and fats have nine calories per gram. So again, all of this is in the show notes. This is kind of hard to to go through verbally. And I know this may sound a little bit confusing, but I want to stress that I don't ever recommend that my female clients drop below 40 grams of fat. Mm -hmm. Fat is so important for hormone production, brain health, and blood sugar stability. So, and you know, the lining of our cells, I mean, there's so many other benefits. So I really don't ever want you to drop below that. And you know, so that's 360 calories right there. So that's the minimum. That's not to say we couldn't, that we're not going to tweak that Mm -hmm. and have that be higher because typically my clients are higher, you know? So I'm usually they're usually coming down about 35% of calories, 30, 35%. Carbs, now this is going to depend on a number of factors. Your activity levels, you know, you mentioned Mm -hmm. that, you know, you do CrossFit and your carbs were too low. Yeah, I really needed to up them. I didn't realize how much it was impacting my daily life. Yeah, yep. So, Mm -hmm. So you need to really get clear on how much you're exercising, your stress levels, your thyroid function. Mm-hmm. Our thyroid really needs some carbohydrate to function optimally. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Do you have blood sugar issues? Do you have type two diabetes? Then you're maybe going to be a little lower in carbs. So these are considerations when setting your carbs. I don't usually recommend that women go below 75 or hundred grams of carbs. That's just what I see tends to kind of elicit the least cravings, hunger, you know, anxiety, that kind of thing. So, Mm -hmm. so that's something to think about. Again, there's four calories per gram with carbs. So what you're doing is you're say you've decided that you want to set your calories at 1500. This all has to come out. So you have to do a little bit of math. There are some sites out there that can do this for you, but if you've got the standard version of my fitness pal, you're setting this up as percentages. So in this case, you know, you know, maybe I would set protein at 35%, fats at 35%, and carbs at 30%. Mm-hmm. So that might be that that's a pretty standard breakdown, mm-hmm. you know, with my clients. So once you've got your goals established, then it's time to, you know, 
think about tracking, but before you do that, you have to have food. Yep. Right. So you have to think about, and this is, this is the piece that I think some of my clients have, you know, struggled with a little bit because if you're making complicated recipes where all of the foods are combined, Mm -hmm. it can be really tricky. How much protein is in this? Now in my fitness pal, you can input all of the ingredients in a recipe, say how much it serves and what portion of that you had. So that is possible. I find, especially in the first week or so, it's much easier if you prepare simple foods Mm -hmm. and then combine them because that way you can be much more accurate as to amounts. Yep. Right? So, you know, preparing the protein separately, the vegetables separately, adding the fat separately. And I know that's, you know, kind of annoying, but if you're not accurate in your reporting you can't know what's working and what isn't. Right. So this is where we're getting pretty granular. Mm -hmm. And again, if you're mentally not ready for this, then you shouldn't do it. Right. Right. And I think that's a good point is like, if, if that sounds overwhelming to you, if you, if that's not something that you feel that you can commit to, and that's why it's like, okay, you should already have meal prep in your life at this point. Like meal prep shouldn't be all of a sudden a new thing for you that you're like all of a sudden trying to tackle meal prep plus Such a great tracking point. everything yep. and doing this. Yep. So yeah, having that foundation of meal prep should already be there. So this right. isn't like a really significant thing for you to have to cook separate things and portion right. them out right. and all of that. Now, that being said, my fitness pal has such a huge database of especially chain restaurant foods, packaged foods, you know, you can just scan the little barcode, that kind of thing. So it does have a huge database, but again, we're talking about preparing kind of real Real food food here. (laughs) So if you're eating out for a large percentage of your meals, you know, it's not that you can't do it. It's just, it may be a little bit trickier. So that's a great segue into this next point is that It's really important to focus even more on nutrient density when you are in a kind of reduced calorie state, Mm -hmm. right? We want every calorie to count. Yes. Right? We don't want your body to go into any kind of crisis mode where it's not getting the nutrition it needs. That's going to stimulate a lot more cravings. Exactly. Right? When we've got our micronutrient needs met, our body feels safe. Mm-hmm. and relaxed, it's going to be much more likely to let go of stored body fat. So really making sure that you're bringing in variety yeah. in terms of vegetables and herbs yeah. and yeah. different types of proteins. We've got a puppy. Hi. In the mix. So yeah. yes, she's saying hi. So really focusing on that piece. I think a lot of us, when we go into the idea of dieting, we can cut our food options down to like five or six things. Mm. And we want to be careful not to do that. So so true, especially if you're tracking. Because if you're yep. if you're kind of like me, let me just throw out myself for an example. You know, and you're doing the pre work and prepping. It's easy to just do a few different foods. Right. But the the challenge in that again is like you're saying, you're not going to get the variety that you need in your diet and meeting all your micronutrient needs. Right. And that was like, I mean, that was a huge thing for me to figure out later on too. Is is the whole concept of micronutrients being so important, you know, Mm -hmm. for me, it was more about in my performance as an athlete, but like it translates to how we perform in life and how we feel. And so if going on, this is going to make you feel like really crummy. It's going to be hard for you to stick to it. Right. So, and it can be tempting to do that because if you're looking at the little pie chart with the macronutrients and the calories, you're thinking, well, gosh, I could fit some sugar in here, some candy or whatever. You know, but the difference between meeting your carb needs from candy or, you know, junk food carbs and a vitamin packed sweet potato, Mm -hmm. those two things give such different information to your body. Yes. Build different building blocks. You know, one is filled with, you know, potassium and, you know, all these, all this rich food for your gut health. The other one is feeding candida and, Mm, you know, causing your blood sugar to be imbalanced and Mm -hmm. causing you to have ridiculous cravings. And so really understanding that food quality always matters and it matters more than ever if you're reducing your calories somewhat. So 
you know, as an offshoot of that, I think, you know, one thing you and I have talked about, Jenny, is that in the paleo community, there's so much discussion about food quality. It's only food quality that matters and calories don't count. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just not accurate for it's fat not, loss. It's, well, right? it's not honest. No, it's not. And, and unfortunately, there's so many women, especially that come to paleo for weight loss and don't experience it because they're kind of sold a bill of goods that they can eat anything that's within the paleo template in intuitive amounts Mm -hmm. and that the weight will drop off. And that's just not what I see. Right. And even, I mean, outside of weight loss, like my body didn't intuitively eat more carbs when I was working out or like the micronutrients that I necessarily needed. You know, I think that it's, Intuitive eating is a beautiful thing. Don't get me wrong. I'm a big advocate of it. But if we're talking about the nuts and bolts and making sure that you're performing your best, um, yeah, our bodies won't intuitively know that, especially if we've never been um, exposed to it in our bodies, right? Because it's like we're expecting our bodies to know something Mm -hmm. that it's never been shown or it's never experienced before. Our bodies do send signals like cravings but it's our job to interpret what those signals mean. It's right. kind of like a child, you know, kind of tugging on your sleeve. You're not really sure what they want or need. They need something, but we have to be the wise adult and assess, okay, what what do I really need right now? So so yeah, focusing on food quality is so important and you know, getting variety in every time you go to the store, you know, each week, say I'm going to experiment with some different veggies this week. For example, I'm not going to just stick to broccoli and cauliflower. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to branch out a little bit. So getting curious and again, having some fun with this and be willing to experiment is very, very important. Absolutely. So so the next piece here is how the importance of being as detailed as possible when it comes to logging. Human beings are very good at kind of overlooking, you know, again, little bites of this, a handful of that, you know, we just don't really think about it. So we want to make sure that we're tracking everything because otherwise we land at that place where we're disappointed and frustrated, you know, that we basically undone all of our work by over under reporting our intake or, or putting in the wrong food. You know, when you type into the little search box, you know, Mm -hmm. you want to make sure that that's as accurate as possible without making yourself crazy. Yep. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. So on that same note, again, your food logs, I, to be honest, I get a little nervous when I have a client several days in a row that their grams come out within like one or two or three Mm. of their goal. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's maybe getting just a little bit obsessive. Part of that might be pre-logging, but, you know, yeah, you want to get close, but don't be obsessive about mm. the calories or the, the macros. So remember what we're doing this for, to be a happy, healthy human. Yeah, to be a happy... And I, I right? mean, that's a great point, is making sure you are being detailed enough, not yes. overlooking things, but also, you know, giving yourself grace if, like... I mean, I... I forget what app it was. My friend was using it for a really long time and she's really found enjoyment out of it. But mm-hmm. like they they give you like a goal and you have to be within like 10 grams up or down of it. And I thought that that was like a good, good wiggle range. room. Yes. Yeah. And to just give yourself that. So like you're in the green, so to speak, if I you're like within that. the 10 yep. grams yep. above or below. And it kind of, yeah, it gave wiggle room for the fact that we're humans and yeah. not every food perfectly matches things. Yeah. So exactly. Yeah. And just one little detail is just a reminder that alcohol does need to be tracked as well. Yes. <laughs> that is one that often gets left off. Like it doesn't count somehow. Yep. I mean, not only does alcohol have, you know, a fairly significant amount of calories, but it has so many hormonal impacts. You know, it really raises our estrogen levels, messes with our detox pathways and makes us less inhibited about our food choices. Let's be honest. So just remember that. So how do we do this? How do we get within 10 or 20 grams? Well, one of the best ways to do that is to pre-log your food Mm -hmm. the night before. And again, if that makes you feel anxious, even thinking about it, you know, this probably isn't something that's for you right now, but there's so much benefit to doing this because 
this way you can spread out your calories and macronutrients Mm -hmm. over three meals and maybe a snack. And you can make sure that you're going to be within range by the end of the day. If you are just logging as you go, winging it, what are the, what is the likelihood that you're going to get to the end of the day and mm-hmm. you know be within your targets and that's the danger again there is that you're just frustrated you feel like you've done most of the work but it keeps not working right well and i think if you're like again anything like me like i know myself in the sense of at the end of the day, my brain capacity to do all this work is limited. Mm-hmm. And so if I were to do this long term, the only way I could do it is to pre-log unless mm-hmm. I would get so frustrated or feel like this was such a burden, even if it was only like 20 minutes of my life at night. Um, but I know myself because I know that I will forget things. I know that um, I'll find it frustrating, especially if like at the end of the day, it doesn't all match up. Um, so pre-logging I think is like just setting yourself up for success if you're anything like me where that would get frustrating every day just doing that and you know honestly there's a part of me that's like just kind of shuts off after like 8 p.m so if I try to do it after 8 p.m like it's it's game over tracking is no longer important absolutely And, and I think that's true I mean the research is clear that at night our willpower is very low and that's when we're, yeah, much Mine is. more likely to say, <laughs> yeah. yeah, whatever. Yeah. But it this also helps ensure that we know that we have the food on hand or know where to get it. So again, we're not just winging it the next day saying, well, we'll see what happens and see if this comes out correctly. And no one is going to remember, no. you know, the bit of this or how much salad dressing you had at lunch. I mean, that's just, that's not a recipe for success. And if you're going to do this, you might as well set yourself up to make this as successful and peaceful as possible. And the other benefit to pre-logging is that it can really kind of mitigate some of the decision fatigue during the day. If you've already logged and someone brings in Girl Scout cookies, or whatever, or maybe something else that you would normally eat. It's for me, I know it's just easy for me to say, no, that's not in, that's not in my goals. Yeah. Right. And yeah, like in that sense of I'm going to have to readjust everything and put it, that takes a lot of work out of it, especially if you've committed to the process. And so you're right. It's a good kind of buffer of like, it is, it really is. And so I think that there is some anxiety for folks sometimes that they're not sure, like, I'm not sure what I'm going to eat during the day. Well, this gives you that just kind of relaxed feeling. You you have a good plan. You've made sure that you've got plenty mm-hmm. in there, right? So mm-hmm. we don't want this to be a plan that's going to leave you feeling like you're starving. Right. For sure. Right. Like, there needs to be plenty of calories and satisfaction in yes. there. This needs to be food that tastes good, as always. And that is possible even in a calorie deficit, but sometimes you have to be a little more strategic in terms of herbs and spices and that kind of thing. Maybe you are using a little less fat or fewer carbs, Mm -hmm. so you have to kind of use your imagination a little bit more. But pre-logging is probably the most winning tip, you know, that I think we can offer here. For sure. And pre-logging should just be an added step to like, again, you've already done experimenting with foods you like and exactly. and like the healthy fats yep. to add in that you like. Like you, you already know these things. So that's not taking up this brain space. Again, yes. like a lot of this, especially initially, it's going to be like, you know, getting a plane off the ground. It's going to yeah. take a little bit of work before it's like cruise control. So you don't want to add anything extra brain work to that. Yeah. No, you, you made such a good point though. And this is something we were discussing before we started recording is there is going to be a learning curve here yes. because in the beginning, you're not necessarily going to know how much fat is in a ribeye steak or a sir versus a sirloin steak or right. So, or how many carbs are in carrots? That's, you know, all of this will be kind of a revelation, but Interestingly, it's also really fun to see what micronutrients are in foods. Yes. And to realize that kind of reinforces the benefit of getting variety. Yeah. You know, that you want to be making sure you're getting different protein sources. Some have iron, some have iodine. You know, we need all of these 
things and, you know, all the different herbs and veggies that are just, you know, packed with things. So that's kind of a fun thing. And that's knowledge that you will have forever. That's true. You know, that you will just get to know foods in a different way. And I think that can be valuable in the future when you're no longer tracking. Absolutely. So, so the next point is you have to be curious and scientific about this. So you've set your goals. Maybe you've followed them for a week or two. What kind of results are you seeing? Are you losing weight? Are you gaining weight? Are you staying the same? Are you, you know, feeling like you're starving? Are you overly stuffed? Do you feel lethargic and tired? Mm-hmm. You know, that maybe you're not getting enough. These are all clues as to whether the calories and macronutrient ratios are working for you. So you have to be willing to tinker and adjust and not be married to the goals that you set. I always mm-hmm. tell clients, these are our starting macros. Yes. There's no way that these will stay the same, right? Yep. So the next point is that there is going to be an adjustment phase. You know, you're not really eating intuitively. You have kind of set some boundaries on what you're eating at mealtime and that there's a little bit of discomfort there. Sometimes you may feel just a little bit hungry, but it's maybe not mealtime. Whereas, you know, if you're not tracking, you might've just had a snack. Well, maybe this time you're going to just kind of work through that discomfort a little bit and wait until your next meal. Again, this is a strategy that is only healthy for people who have laid the groundwork. We do not want people restricting and making themselves hungry who are not in a place that that's coming coming from a healthy place. So yeah, can't say that enough. But there is also the reality that for a lot of people, especially in our society, I think we view that first hunger pang as an emergency. And I think that we can play with that a little bit, you know, just like our emotions, you know, feelings of hunger kind of cycle. You know, we've all had those moments where we're really busy and, you know, we felt hungry, but then we get distracted and we're not hungry again for another hour. So maybe you would plan to go home, you know, 30 minutes or 45 minutes from now. And that's when you were going to have that next meal that you've already pre-logged, but you got a hunger pang. Can you maybe have a glass of water? Mm-hmm. and wait, maybe not, you know, this is just kind of questions to ask yourself, you know, to play with and, you know, separate out, like we talk about all the time. Is this a hunger? Is this genuine hunger or is this a craving? Right. And there's definitely a difference between restricting yourself and ignoring your hunger versus like just being okay with the fact that there are going to be different periods of time in our day that we're hungry and it's, it's okay. And I mean, you brought up a good point where like, you know, our digestive system is like, you know, going through that cleaning process during that time and that, you know, it's actually not healthy for our system to always have food on it. And I think again, like that has been kind of what we've been socialized to believe and to, um, to just realize that like, it's, it's okay to be a little hungry for a little while. And the difference between that and restriction is so Thank you. extreme. Yes. So we're not we're yes. not talking about restricting. We're just talking right. about being patient with your body as it adjusts. Right. And that, you know, even, I mean, I think, you know, if anybody, you know, being a mom or being a busy work person, there are going to be times when you get hungry and you're not going to eat for like another hour or so. Yeah. But to have, you know, to have that stuff readily available to where you are nourishing yourself and luckily enough, like we have a body that's set up that we don't have to be eating all the time, right? That's part of our the beauty of our bodies. And so, right. yeah, just to like, to realize, is this emotional that I'm kind of, am I reactive to this hunger or am I just kind of like paying attention to it and letting it be where it's at in the moment? Because we don't have to like immediately go do something. I feel like that's more reactive than really honoring that hunger. Right. So and that, speak. that is a mindset shift because again, I think we've kind of been entrained to think if I feel hungry, I need to fix that immediately. Yeah. Or it's a bad thing, you know, especially, you know, again, I work with on both sides of the spectrum with eating disorders, but there are people that have a lot of anxiety when they feel hungry Mm -hmm. and it, it builds up to be this whole thing. So anyway, that's all to say that without going down that rabbit hole, that it is okay to be hungry. Mm -hmm. It really It is, and it's also just a reality that if we are not in a calorie deficit, 
at some point during the day, our, if our body never has to go to the pantry and use stored body fat, we will not lose weight. So we have to be able to associate those two in our mind. The beautiful thing about eating this higher protein ratio, lots of non-starchy vegetables, some healthy fats, is the likelihood that you will feel hungry as long as you're not bringing your calories too low, you really shouldn't have many periods of feeling hungry. Unlike yeah, other diet unlikely. plans yeah. like shakes and, you know, that kind of thing. Boy, those I've, we've probably all done. Well, I know I've done all of them and they were a nightmare. So, yeah. so this, this is a much easier approach. Yep. And on the, on the other side of it, you know, I know that when I first added carbs in, it felt like it was a little too much at times, or like I felt a little bloated after eating them because mm-hmm. my body wasn't used to it. And so just realizing to, like that it's going to take some time for your body to adjust accordingly and to give yourself that patience of like, you know, if I just feel bloated for a week and then the next week it's better, maybe that was more of the adjustment period versus it being like, okay, something's wrong and I'm eating the wrong things and I'm doing harm to my body. That That's such a great point. And I will add to that, that one of the Concerns that I hear from so many clients when we are increasing protein is they'll feel like it just sits. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, I don't want to add more meat because I feel like it just sits. Well, we may have touched on this in other episodes, but after about age 35, our stomach acid production starts to decline. And that's what we really need for protein breakdown, especially. Mm-hmm. So for many of my clients, we do play around with a betaine hydrochloric acid supplement, you know, at the beginning of meals. And I'm not you know, recommending anyone do that. That's something you should work with your healthcare practitioner on, but it's just, you know, something to be aware of that that may be a factor, Mm -hmm. but yes. And I have other clients that they will up one of these macronutrients and have some GI issues and it does require some tinkering. It does. It so, does. and being willing to do that and to say, okay, maybe this food doesn't work for me right now, but not throw the whole thing out. You know, again, being willing to, to, to be, be curious, curious. experiment yep, yep, <laughs> yep. about all of it. So one of the biggest things that I really want you all to take home from this is Jenny and I both see so many women that come to us for weight loss that are already under eating and don't realize it. Right. They think that because they've got some excess body fat or perceive that they do, that that must mean that they are overeating. And, you know, I will have them track and I'll realize maybe they are consistently at 1,200 calories, for example. I cannot, in good conscience, take someone down from 1,200 calories, right? That's barely survival, yeah, that's calories, not right. Yep, that's As, not especially okay. if you're moving at all during the day. <laughs> right. So if you are, you know, say you've set your calories at fifteen hundred, that's really the lowest that I would go. Mm-hmm. You know, there are some really good coaches that I respect that will, for a very short time, take women down to about thirteen hundred calories. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't. So that's again, that's a judgment call. I don't feel comfortable with that. If someone is not losing weight in that 15, consistently and they're tracking accurately Mm -hmm. in that 1500 calorie range, we are going to switch gears and do a little bit of reverse dieting for a time. And what that means is we are going to continue to track because I want to systematically start adding in maybe a hundred calories a day for a week. Mm -hmm. What, what we want to have happen is your metabolism to start slowly churning again. So if you've got some metabolic damage from years of under eating, it's not irreversible. I think a right. lot of people have that misconception that you've broken your metabolism. That's not a thing. Oh, that's a, such a good point. Yeah, you can reverse it, but yep. it does take time it tracking. Does. <laughs> it does. And, you yeah. know, there are, Patience. there are some advocates of the kind of rip the bandaid off approach where they think, okay, well, let's just add in 500 calories a day. Well, I don't personally advocate that approach because that is going to result in weight gain and can be really tough on people psychologically. 
Well, yeah, not only psychologically, but I, I mean, I think one of the things I see, especially in like the refeeding process of the people I work with is it's really physically uncomfortable that's if you point. go from that yes. extreme, right? And that's why you kind of reverse diet slowly, not because it's like, hey, you couldn't use those extra calories, but because your body is still adjusting to it and that it is uncomfortable. And, and especially if you're, you're probably under eating because <laughs> my guess would be because you feel like you need to lose weight from this place of like fear. Yes. Um, and so adding 500 calories, again, you talked about the psychological piece, but phys- physiologically there's real stuff going on that's going to be genuinely uncomfortable and you're already – scared. I mean, right. I just wouldn't Absolutely. add that to a person. No. Like, and unless, I, unless absolutely. you were on, I mean, again, because I, when people get hospitalized, they kind of get forced into that. I have some mixed emotions about how exactly that works in every single place. But, mm-hmm. um, but if it's life or death, obviously, you know, people have to go through sure. the discomfort and that's fine, but this isn't usually a life or death situation with people. You know, it's not worth putting you through that physiological discomfort, the psychological discomfort. And I would really urge you to go see somebody. Yeah, Um, this is this is a process that it's very helpful to work with a knowledgeable coach who knows how to do reverse dieting in a sane, healthy way to really track and adjust with you and determine, okay, when are we ready to kind of go up another hundred calories? The amazing thing in this process is that you start, a lot of people start to kind of come back to life. Yeah. You know, they don't realize that maybe their hair wasn't growing, their skin, you know, was dry and they just didn't have energy. And it's like, why don't I have the motivation to work out? Because you're not, you're barely eating enough, you know, for basic (laughs) bodily function. That's why. But we can get so accustomed to how that feels that we don't realize that we're under eating. So... This is something that comes up a lot more often than you would think. So again, how do we know it's by getting that baseline data from tracking being as accurate as possible? And again, you know, if you're finding that, gosh, I'm eating consistently 1300 calories. Yeah. You cannot take your calories any lower than that. Nope. I mean, that's, I, I don't say things definitively very often, but I'm going to say that. So, so you need to, what we want is the most inefficient metabolisms possible, right? (laughs) What's happening when we're, you know, under eating all this time is our body, which is trying to protect us in every moment is holding on to every single calorie. It's down-regulating our thyroid function, our energy output, our brain function is sluggish. You know, it's just slowing the whole engine down. And if we do get some excess calories, guess what we're going to do with those? We are going to hang on to every one of those versus, you know, I think we've all, or a lot of us have had that friend. We're like, why can they eat whatever they want? All they do is get more energy or they get hot or something. That's because they've got kind of a more inefficient metabolism Mm -hmm. that, okay, when they get some excess calories, their body is just burning it off. Yep. Right. But we want it, we have to train for that. And of course, everyone's body and metabolism is different. So there's not really, you know, a predictable outcome from this, but I've seen such amazing outcomes with clients who were willing to do this with me to yeah. get over the fear that they were going to put on a bunch of weight. But yes, it does require patience. I'll tell you though, it pays off for years. I am a perfect example. I probably eat, if not between 50% and 100% more than what I used to eat. Mm -hmm. I was one of those people that for years was consistently down around 1,200 calories. Mm -hmm. And I had excess weight. Mm -hmm. I I probably average around, you know, anywhere between 1,800 and 2,200 calories now. Mm -hmm. And my weight is, you know, normal. And if I do eat a little bit more, like I say, I just, you know... I don't know. I just have more energy to go do something or I get hot. Mm-hmm. So it is fixable. I mean, I'm almost 50 years old and I fixed this just in the past few years. So I want you to have hope that if this sounds like you, if this sounds familiar, that there is hope, but you have to be willing to take the time to do it and, you know, maybe spend a few months doing some reverse dieting and then you've got wiggle room. 
yes. in those calories, once you're back up to 1,800, 1,900 calories, then you've got room for a deficit. Yeah. Well, and I just think how much it's worth those few months of like, I know it's, it's a fearful process for a lot of people, but it's, it's just worth those few months of, even if your weight either stays the same, or if you gain a little bit in the process of upping your metabolism, it's so worth that for a lifetime of just having a healthier metabolism and being able to eat well. And again, it's going to, it's going to reverse. It's going to eventually, you know, cycle in a healthy way, unless there's other medically, I mean, of course I don't want to be definitive in that, but for most people, that's what I've seen. And it's been such a good process, whether or not they were like, I've seen it also in the, you know, athletic world too, where I had a friend who was really under eating her calories and then She's actually at a like much better body fat mass percentage now and like performing so much better. And she's probably eating at least two or three times the amount. Yeah, and I mean, I'm, I'm eating two or three times the amount that I used to as well, you know, and it's, wow. It's just yeah, so it, nice it, to be in that it space. It is. It is so nice to have that, you know, kind of wiggle room in your diet as yeah. well. And you do start to have more energy. So again, I so often hear in the beginning clients that say, I just, I just can't bring myself to work out. And once you actually start feeding yourself, you know, appropriately fueling yourself for your actual energy output, it is amazing how much more energy you have to do things. Yeah. And you're, and the other thing too is, um, a lot of people like the Harvard, was it the Harvard study when they like, it wasn't like they starved the, these guys. They just gave them a diet of like, I think it was 1200 calories a day. And these guys were obsessing over food. Yeah. Okay. Yep. You know it better than me. Yep. Look, I mean, it's like you, they were obsessing over food and recipes like how much and, and recipes and, and it, dreaming about things that were yeah. food related. And again, it's like, yep. I want you to get your mind back too. Exactly. I mean, that's, that's what I think is just so interesting. You know, if you've been in that place where you are thinking about cutting calories, but then you're reposting pictures of hot fudge sundaes all the time, <laughs> right? Like, yeah. You, you know be, who you are. Yeah. You might be <laughs> We're calling you out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, we want food to get back in its lane in yeah. your life. So this process, this tracking process is for people who have really laid the solid foundations and they are ready to just kind of dial in some body composition things or at least figure out what's going on, right? right? At least get some data. The, the last thing that I think we really wanted to be sure to touch on is when I do have clients in a fat loss phase where we are eating at a deficit, whether it's, you know, 20%, whatever, I don't have them in that phase for more than eight weeks. Mm-hmm. Right. So then we come out of that and then spend a couple of months just at baseline calories, exercising, all of that. And then we can do another eight weeks at some point. You know, if, you know, we don't try to take off all the excess weight. Say somebody has 50 pounds to lose. We're mm-hmm. not trying to do that all at once. We're mm-hmm. not staying in fat loss, you know, for the foreseeable future. We're going to do an eight week stint, come out of that, let the metabolism kind of settle out, adjust you know, mentally and physically, and then we can do it again. And in terms of tracking, you know, this is something that you, you will learn so much about food and what your plate looks like, what, you know, what does 30 or 40 grams of protein look like in chicken, in steak, you're going to learn a lot of that Mm -hmm. by tracking. And so, you know, you can, even if you're not tracking later, you're going to have a much better idea of what's coming in in terms of macros and micronutrients. Yep, absolutely. And that's, that's really beneficial. So, Well, and I, I think if this is you as well and you're looking for somebody to really help guide you through this process, you should definitely contact Lisa. She would be the ideal person to help you. And, you know, being a coach, you could help you figure this out. She does this specifically. <laughs> I just want to like throw out the yeah. recommendation there. Um, but again, you know, it's not where I start. It's not where clients. she starts. You know, right. Unless you can really prove right. to me that, that you've you been doing the, the groundwork that we've talked about. I'm not going to start. That's a good you. point. That's I mean, a good point. But know, I just, I feel like of all, I wanted to recommend you because I feel like there's been other people out in the community or even online that kind of proclaim that they do this. And then you know, because they don't even have that perspective of, hey, we need to have that groundwork first. 
and uh, the other things they do that are extreme, you know, I've seen it go really bad. And it's been something that I don't trust. And I just want to throw you out as like a trustworthy source from somebody who works with the eating disorder population. Because, you know, I think that that's where I get really fearful is, you know, people having these goals or wanting to do this and then ending up in the wrong hands that further feed Mm -hmm. their issues or their, um, yeah, the psychological stuff going on and other. Well, that that is the difference between how you know, you and I both work with people is, I, I know, if I, I'll just speak for myself, I coach the whole person. Mm-hmm. I am not just giving someone a macros and calorie plan and saying, good luck, and then next <laughs> week, why didn't you do it? Right. You know, that kind of thing. I'm in contact with my clients every single day, and we are tweaking and adjusting. They are giving me their screenshots from my fitness pal, but they're also telling me, about their hunger, their energy, their cravings, their mood, their sleep. How is this working? I don't want to wait a week to adjust this and have you feel bad in any way. You know, I always say I'm not going to be part of your next shame spiral, first of all, but I also don't want anyone to undermine their health or go backwards in terms of their relationship with food, body, self. Yeah. Right? I want this to be, again, a, a learning process and you know, a data collection process, but I don't want it to be anything that, you know, makes them feel worse in any way. Right. You know, this is a a positive thing. And, and so we always have to keep anything like tracking in its lane and always be checking in with ourselves. Why am I doing this? What's my motivation for doing this? Is this starting to get weird? Yeah. Is this, is this causing me to be more like isolating in my life or am I connecting more and becoming more of my true self or am I becoming this person who now has an identity around food and weight loss and everything else? And you know, it sounds like we're trying to talk everyone out of doing this. (laughs) You know, we just really want to hang those caution flags for all of the reasons we've mentioned, but there are so many benefits to doing this. If you are ready, because Mm -hmm. this can be the tool that you need, you know, to achieve, you know, some changes that you've been looking forward to and that you've sort of laid the groundwork for. And this Mm -hmm. is kind of that next level. So I have so many clients that, you know, they, you know, feel better, their hormones are balanced, they have mental clarity, that kind of thing, but their body composition hasn't shifted. And this is when we'll start tracking and just dialing in the details. Right. So. Right. And I think that's a good point because I, I think one of the things that's unique about us and how we see the world and our podcast even is that we have that both and approach where it's like, it's not that we're going to totally ditch again, like not see the person as a whole and ditch the psychological piece, but we're also not going to like what I've seen unintentionally kind of happen is that people aren't honest about the physiological side of things or like the actual, like, <laughs> I don't know, just like the actual nuts and bolts of how nutrition works. Um, and again, I think depending on where a person is, they are or are not ready for it. And that's the kind of, we want to talk about the full experience and people in different parts of this. And so we wanted to speak to that audience today because we felt like we would be missing out on a part of it of the both and if we didn't. Right. Because what I, I know if- for me, as a paleo health coach, I don't want people to throw out paleo because they wanted to lose weight. They're not losing weight. They're just going to go join you know, a shake diet or something else. I want people to eat real food, but I want you to know that you can use a paleo diet to lose weight mm-hmm. in a healthy way, right? If you're ready to do that. And I don't want you to kind of throw that baby out with the bathwater. Right. Um, and... You do get to the point where it's all the pieces kind of fall into place, but you have to do this in a stepwise fashion. And I do think that working with a coach can be helpful, you know, if all of this is new to you, even for a short period of time. So that's something to to think about. So there was a lot in this episode, and I think we (laughs) want to, again, direct you to the show notes where, you know, all of this will be laid out. There's a link to my fitness pal if you want to just kind of look around if you're not familiar with that app. We don't have any affiliation with them. Just let's point that out. Um, and you know, share some questions with us. Like, you know, our Facebook page is probably the best place to do that. We would love to hear if, if 
you know, this sounds interesting to you, if, you know, it's all confusing, whatever. Yeah, absolutely. We'd love to hear from you feedback. And, you know, I love, I know that some people in my field are, are not going to love that I even did this podcast. And that's like, I would love to open a dialogue with you because I feel like this is something to further be explored. And I just, I'm very grateful to learn from you. And I know that for me, nutrition was huge in my journey. Um, because once I found out I couldn't have gluten, I just, it just blew up in my mind and it changed my life for the better. So to, to miss out on this piece would be, you know, would be yeah. doing a disservice. I mean, the, the reality is Jenny, and you know, I think this is what you're trying to say is that we are one creature. We are biochemical, emotional, intellectual, all spiritual, yeah. we're all of these things. And to parse out one piece of that is discounting our humanity. That's a good way of putting it. So, dang. I guess we'll just leave it there. <laughs> that was great. All right. Well, until next time. All right. Enjoy your week, everyone.